We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Breaking down playoff fantasy football contest. That's what we're going to talk about today on Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretch. You can find me on Twitter at Yards Per Gretch. You can find my Substack at bengretch.substack.com. With me, as always, is Sean Siegel. You can find all of his work at Rotoviz. And Sean, we're going to definitely be getting into off-season stuff soon. I know there's a ton of dynasty stuff you want to talk about. We have so much to break down from the season, but this week it's really fun to look at the playoffs to break down what we would think might happen. Uh, even for people who aren't playing playoffs fantasy football, we're just going to talk matchups. We're going to talk about the bracket. We're going to talk teams, high level stuff. Um, there's a lot of different types of playoff fantasy contests. For anyone who is considering playing, um, definitely a fun thing to do. It's it's really high variance. There's you know a lot of game theory and things involved because you have to project how far the teams are going to go. But it's a it's a really fun cap to the season. I always think fun thing to make the playoffs a little more entertaining. And so yeah, we're gonna use today's show to kind of talk through the playoffs, talk through what we think might happen, right? We are, and and I'm looking forward to this. It should be kind of crazy. I'm I'm excited to get your takes on some of these matchups. Many readers and listeners know. That Ben also, in addition to stealing signals, writes some excellent betting content and has been very good with that the last couple of years. And so, uh, even if you weren't involved in that, I'd be very excited to get your takes on some of these games. But I know you have a lot of experience in looking through and trying to figure out, you know, what are some exploitable uh, types of opportunities looking at these game lines and what that might mean for us. And just, I'm interested in your contrarian takes for who you just think might be better, might be ready to spring and upset so we have you know five or six potential hours of content we'll see how it kind of boils yeah. down to 45 minutes or so here that's every one of our shows sean that's that's a typical stealing videos episode where we have to try to pull ourselves away from talking for two hours three hours four hours we do and it's never fun when it ends but we column and i have a show on the ffpc building your lineup out for that playoff contest coming tomorrow i'm excited to be on with you guys thursday night for some ship chasing hopefully i won't give away any you know, mega contest losing information for myself on that <laughs> um, <laughs> oh i just got that this i laughed initially because i thought you were i thought you were being 
self-deprecating, but you're you're referring to the uh, the best ball contest from your last ship chasing appearance with the Sony Michelle pick. Yes, yeah, that didn't that go was, so well. That didn't uh, go so well. But then before we get into that, I, I I know for many people it was the highlight of the week. You are out there firing people, so uh, hopefully <laughs> I will survive the show here. Did you did you have anybody? You saw else? that? You're not even on Twitter. Well, I have my sources. I have my sources. <laughs> yeah, uh, I grew the mustache out for people who've watched me on any kind of video stuff this year. I grew the mustache out in November. I, I think it must have been the Thanksgiving show. We got a little drunk and we're having fun and talking about Thanksgiving. And it was the week that Matt Nagy was maybe going to get fired. And I have anyone who's listened to any episodes of Stealing Bananas knows that I'm not a fan of Matt Nagy's. So I was given, you know, I, I was given my my thoughts on that. And at some point during the show, we figured out that George McCaskey, I think I mentioned George McCaskey's name, some of the, whoever else was on the show, somebody was a guest or something, didn't know who he was. So we ended up pulling up his picture. He also has a mustache. Pete pulls up his picture and puts it side by side to me live and has me do a mini firing of Matt Nagy, you know, on this show. As we approached Black Monday these last couple of weeks, it's come up again a couple of times. Some of the ship chasers have pinged me on it. I mean, I am deeply unfunny, but you know, I you, you see all you know, you see Pete make all these funny videos and stuff. I was like, look, these guys, you know, I I, I Monday morning after Nikki got fired in the McCaskey press conference, I got pinged at least a half a dozen times that like people <laughs> there was one one tweet was like please we need this <laughs> i was like all right you got to give the people what they want sean i mean I, I did my best i gave it the old college try but we're retiring uh the george mccaskey meme i've i've shaved the mustache again i grew it out a little bit again so i could make it look halfway decent and do another little video put a suit on try to try to do the whole thing because i mean the the press conference was people were sending me videos from the press conference he's talking about his mom talking to his mom and how disappointed she was. And um, I think it's Virginia McCaskey, right? Uh, Longtime owner of the bears and, and um, very uh, important figure in, in NFL history, but still just the way he presented that whole thing. It was just sounded so silly. And then he's, you know, they're asking him about Olin Krutz who had those comments about the $15 an hour thing. And he's said like, don't believe anything that comes out of Olin Krutz's mouth, you know, in, in, in so many words. I mean, it was, it was a brutal press conference. I saw a lot of Bears fans talking about it on Twitter and elsewhere. And I mean, it was embarrassing for, I know, for a lot of Bears fans. So anyway, I had to pull some quotes from that and uh, make a little video and make a little, you know, bad parody. Uh, an unfunny person trying to make a, a funny parody video. Well, for all that, I know it was a huge hit. And I, but my frustration is that that one actually happened, right? And we're still walking around now in the situation where DJ Moore is going to have the same problems next year. What? Where were you on that? I mean, it seems like that's oh, one where you man. could have proactively got. Well, that we should have got uh, our buddy Josh Hermsmeyer to do that. He looks just like Matt Rule. <laughs> he would have been a good one for for Matt Rule. Uh, no, uh, I guess he would have been firing himself. But we didn't get the Matt Rule firing. Yeah, I. The, and and you say we're gonna have the same problems. I I feel like we're gonna have worse problems because they, I I could have bought back in if they would have kept Joe Brady around. I don't really understand how Joe Brady became the scapegoat. I actually thought. I mean, we talked a lot about DJ Moore's usage early in the year, the ways they started using him in the backfield. 
the things they did from last year to this year to to change his role early this season, throw to him more underneath, utilize his skill set better, seemed to me like they had figured out some things about the fact that he's, you know, their number one. And and that's that's been sort of the talk from Carolina as well down the stretch here is just a lot of positive stuff about him as a number one receiver. But uh, yeah, not even having Joe Brady there now. I mean, the quarterback issues were enough, but you could hope that they could improve that and then hopefully still have. And, and then the comments that they're, they're trying to find a rock star, a rock star OC, like literally you got the the college OC that, that orchestrated the greatest college season ever. The Joe Burrow 60 touchdown season. That's what you just did. You brought in a rock star OC. Like that was such a coup for them to have him as their OC. But we do have plenty of evidence now that he probably is not the catalyst for that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But still. Then is there any chance that we could kind of get like Sam Darnold to the Broncos and Teddy Bridgewater to the Colts and Carson Wentz to the Panthers just to kind of shake things up and, and keep it fresh? I mean, I don't need to see those guys with their current teams again. Why do you want Carson Wentz in Carolina? Well, I <laughs> no, I don't want that. But <laughs> I hope none of those guys are playing quarterback in 2022. <laughs> then at some point we're going to do, like you mentioned, a lot of dynasty stuff. We have the breakdown of our dynasty team. We're excited for it. We tried to tank. We were unsuccessful. We made the playoffs. Then our magical run obviously did end right where it would have actually helped us to win. But we've got this great baseline setup. We've got a ton of first round picks. We're hoping to build a dynasty. The first selection we made in that draft, as you quickly pointed out to me last week, we were kind of joking about it, was DJ Moore. Now, it was very, very late, late fourth, early fifth, somewhere in there. We did not take DJ Moore in the first, second, or third rounds. But then our, our foundation piece does have some issues. But that's a story for another day. Let's get Sean, into Sean, the if you've 20... been on Twitter anytime recently, everyone is tweeting that you need to buy DJ Moore in Dynasty right now. So listen, the people know. The people know. Oh, the 11 other people, if you're listening, send us offers. We are willing <laughs> to sell high on DJ Moore. Uh, ben, let's let's get into the playoffs here. Who is going to win? So we have these first round matchups. Any stick out to you as being controversial or provocative where are these upsets going to come from you were mentioning Dak Prescott before the show and we were talking as a potential uh, contrarian play at quarterback in some of these contests now building out for the FFPC playoff contest that's a very fun one we're also going to talk sort of big picture so if you're playing in a playoff contest with your friends your co-workers this information should also uh work for that there are so many great playoff contests out there i'm actually participating in a bunch with some of the different a uh, of his writers different types of things i'm excited to get into all of that it's a lot of fun to do one of these playoff uh, teams and all this you know with your friends this was a great year for you and me for some of us with other co-managers in terms of doing the regular season so now as we look into the fantasy playoffs dak prescott my question for you I guess it's not a question. The 49ers are going to take it to the Dallas Cowboys this week. Is that going to be a problem for Dak Prescott as we go through these playoff contests? Yeah, I would say if the 49ers took it to Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, that that would be a problem for Dak Prescott. Yes. I, I... <laughs> we talked a little before the show. You were talking a little about Kyler being an interesting name in some of these contests that Arizona 
uh, I think you said is one of the more interesting teams because they, you know, they could certainly just get blown out in the first game or go deep. And I was saying I, I kind of like Dak a little bit more. I, I, I mean, look, San Francisco can definitely win that game. Those are the, I think, the two. Yeah, those are my two favorite matchups of the first round for sure. The the Cowboys, 49ers, and the Rams, Cardinals. I mean, I don't think there's a lot of intrigue in the Bucks, Eagles. There's not a lot of intrigue in the Chiefs, Steelers. Those are the two, uh, two seven matchups. I don't, and that's not to say I don't think those teams, you know, can get upset. I mean, it's it's certainly possible. I, you know, the Bucks are a mess. I think a lot of people are are talking about, you know, maybe the Eagles can win that. I, I do think the Bucks will be fine. Uh, but even, you know, if the Eagles win that, it's not like I, I feel like the Eagles are going to make huge noise in this postseason. You got the Bills Patriots, which the last time they played, uh, Mac Jones threw three passes and we're expecting weather in that game again. So that's not going to be particularly fun. The Raiders Bengals is another interesting one. Certainly the Raiders have, you know, I mean, man, I, I don't even know what to make of them. They won another game by single di- uh, by, by one score. Every single one of their wins since their bye has been by one score. Their week eight bye. Every single one of their wins since week eight, I think it's like four or five of them because they had a, a number of losses in there. And some of those losses were blowout losses, but they've had all one score wins, which typically we fade that. We fade the positive variance in one score games. They won another one score game in week 18 to, to make the playoffs. The Bengals obviously look like they are uh, primed for a deep run. I, I'm excited about the Bengals. That's a team. It's super fun to look at, especially if the the Chiefs and, and Bills are able to win at home. That means the Bengals would get the Titans in the second round. The Chiefs and Bills have to beat each other up. Titans, one of the weaker number one seeds we've seen in, in, a, in a lot of years. Bengals could potentially win that game and, and have a pretty favorable path at that point uh, into the conference championship. But yeah, getting back to the NFC side, those two teams, I mean, um, or those two games, I think you're right. Like the Niners could definitely go out and win that game. I don't think anybody wants to be playing the Niners right now. That's a team that can make a deep run. The Rams could make a deep run. We were talking about Kyler and Dak. I I do think Dak is interesting because the Cowboys defense is good. Their defensive line is very, very good. Michael Parsons has been fantastic. Presumptive defensive uh, rookie of the year. People have talked about him in the conversation for defensive player of the year. I don't think he'll win that. Probably TJ Watt after the sack record. Um, You got Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, you got Randy Gregory. You got all this uh, pass rushing talent for the Cowboys that can really wreck games. Dak has been shaky lately, certainly, but uh, getting Tony Pollard back, I think, will also be helpful for them. And so, yeah, I mean, they're an interesting team, and especially from the sense that, like, you, when you compare them to like the the Cardinals and look at Dak versus Kyler, I think Kyler played much better football this year. But Kyler's in a situation as the five seed where he's likely playing three road games if he's going to try to make a run for the Super Bowl. It's tough to do. The the Bucks did it last year. Dak is the three seed. They would have to potentially go into Tampa Bay in the second round. But if they were able to win that, and they played him tough in Tampa Bay, uh, what, way back in week one, right? And they were able to make the conference championship. There is some, some potential that the winner of Arizona and the Rams could then beat the Packers. And the Cowboys could wind up in a home conference championship situation. If the Packers win, of course, they would have to go to Lambeau. But because they're the three seed, you know, there's, you can see the scenarios. Number one, they get a home game in the first round. You can see some scenarios where they could potentially get a home game down the line as well. I mean, if the if the Eagles were to beat the Bucs, they'd get a home game in the second round, the Cowboys. But they could potentially get home games either second, third round. We, we don't know for sure. It's not, you know, if everything holds true to, to seed, they, they wouldn't. But... They have much more potential for that, which can help fuel a longer run 
than the Cardinals. So yeah, I, I we were talking a little bit about that. I I like Dak in these contests a little more than than Kyler. I think I trust the team around him a little bit more. One of the interesting things about both players and both teams is that they've been very inconsistent. We have the Cowboys looking so good in week 16 and week 18, but losing a game against Arizona that within the context of where Arizona's been over the last month, that's a surprising loss. Obviously, they had the game in week nine where they humiliated by the Denver Broncos. You mentioned that game against Tampa Bay. That's one of the four games this season where Prescott scored 30 or more points. Now, two of those last two of those have come in the last three weeks. And it was right before this most recent run when I was telling you, I believe it was Joe Burrow. Perhaps it was Justin Herbert. The interesting thing there, uh, obviously, both of those guys now are continuing to rise, especially Burrow. This is before he went up, but that I would have those guys ahead of him in terms of dynasty. Obviously, this is a different scenario here. We're looking at how this might play out over the next month. I think one of the reasons why both of these guys are interesting contrarian plays is that in contests where you can only play one player from a team, it's a little bit trickier perhaps to figure out who else you might want to play. So if you're building out scenarios and you're building out a variety of lineups, definitely on the Cardinals, unless we found out that James Conner's newest injury was absolutely nothing, you might be a little bit skeptical about playing him, especially if Chase Edmonds is also going to be available. Both of those guys a little bit iffy with rib injuries. And an interesting there, thing there is that's the Monday night game. So we might not find that out before some of these contests lock on Saturday. We might not get uh, you know word on Connor and Edmonds. Yeah, that's another very good point. Something else to, to keep an eye on. Even once we get into the playoffs here, the order that these games come off is going to make a difference for you. And then obviously on the Cowboys side, you have a lot of actually pretty exciting options, but players who you also are not going to feel a lot of confidence with. One of the things that I was kind of looking at here is, you know, do we want to go back with CeeDee Lamb? I mean, is he going to be the guy in the playoffs who's maybe a little bit more like what we saw with Jamar Chase? I mean, Chase has this greatest fantasy playoff game of all time to cap contests in week 17 and finishes off with just this amazing rookie season. But until that game, he'd actually been kind of disappointing over the previous month, right? And so... Lamb, another guy we think has that level in him. We haven't seen it that much recently. That might be something of a contrarian way to play it. Obviously, there with the running backs, you've got the situation where it could be split. Dalton Schultz, a very interesting potential way to play, especially with the tight end premium. And maybe it almost doesn't help him as much as some of these other guys because one of the things that we are kind of looking for from Schultz is this multi-touchdown game. But certainly, even if it's maybe not a tight end premium specific element, if you're getting a multi-touchdown game from a tight end there, uh, you're going to be excited about that. One of the things, been with some of these playoff contests, again, is that this year tight end is very, very deep. And so I want to ask you about running back versus tight end and versus wide receiver as we get a little bit more toward the end of the show. These two games that you mentioned as being the most exciting, do you... Do you have any strong feelings about them? Obviously, we're going to play some different scenarios. If someone's playing only one or two teams and they're really looking for like the guy or the team to bet on here, you had mentioned some concerns with the Cardinals. One of the reasons that I actually am pretty excited about the Cardinals, and again, it's something that we had talked about a little bit before the show started, but that is because I do expect the 49ers to win, or at least I think it's very reasonable, right? And if that happens, then suddenly the Cardinals don't have to go play the Packers, which is the team that I'm really trying to avoid. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say that. I mean, uh, as far as like the ones that I like, I mean, I, I would say 
for me, I mean, I, I the the AFC is really interesting because Tennessee has a bye, and yet Kansas City has the best odds to make the Super Bowl. You don't see that. I mean, just like think about like the numbers of it. Tennessee doesn't have any potential of losing this week. Kansas City obviously has to play a football game this week, and yet they're not. You know, the one seed is not the and and they have home field advantage locked up. Tennessee in either of their potential only two games, and it's not even particularly close. Where Kansas City is the I think the fairly clear favorite. Um, I'd have to pull that those numbers up real quick, but it's uh, it's a very interesting AFC bracket in that sense. Where and it's highly likely that the Chiefs will face a better team in the second round as well. Yeah, so the Chiefs are basically plus 175 to win the AFC. At the, the last that I put some numbers into a spreadsheet, Titans were plus 330. So almost double the odds. And Buffalo was right there at plus 350. So not only are the Titans not the AFC favorite by the betting market, they're almost not even second. The Bills, and like you said, I mean, you have Kansas City facing Buffalo. There's no scenario where they wouldn't play each other if they both win because they're the two and three seeds, that's just, uh, you know, mathematically how it has to work. But basically the market is, is, is so sure essentially that the winner of Casey and Buffalo would be favored to win in Tennessee, even if Tennessee were to get there, but you know, potentially the Tennessee may not even be able to get there basically that, that Cincinnati could potentially beat them. And so it makes the AFC really interesting. I don't think Kansas city and Buffalo are teams that anyone's really sleeping on. New England is sort of a, a sleeper pick, I guess. I think it's it's a little bit tough, but certainly if they were able to beat the Bills in a weather game, and they were just able to do this a month ago, they would likely go to Tennessee, and then you'd probably have another one of these low-scoring games. I mean, New England and Tennessee would just be you know, not a game that anyone wants to watch, but would be another game that New England could potentially win, frankly, because they are a team that can you know execute the ground game and play defense more or less. And if they were able to do that, you know, get through those two spots, their their team you can see going to the conference championship. But I think even in that scenario, it's a hard hard one for me to see them going into Buffalo, uh, excuse me, going into Kansas City and winning. They're sort of an interesting one. The anyway, I'm 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 backing my way around to saying that I really like the Bengals, and I, I think I already mentioned that. But uh, they win. They probably go to Tennessee unless there is an upset in the the three six or two seven game. Unless the Chiefs or the Bills lose, you know, if the Patriots were to beat the Bills, then the, the Bengals would go to Arrowhead, which would be a little bit of, or I think, a lot of a tougher path for them. But not a game they can't win. And if they did go uh, to to Tennessee, certainly that's that's the really you know the the easier path. And you can see a lot of ways. I mean, we I'm excited about the Bengals. We we've obviously talked about them an absolute ton on the show all year and that's a team that i think would be you know maybe i'm too excited but it would be a blast to see them make a run into the conference championship it'll be interesting to see if zach taylor really commits to the pass in the playoffs you know there's some i think concern that he could fall back into to trying to run the ball a little bit too much uh, they could certainly get beat by the raiders i mean we don't we don't know but on the nfc side you know i mentioned dallas I do kind of like the Rams a little bit as well. I mean, I don't think, again, I don't think Green Bay or or Tampa is really going to surprise anyone. And the Niners, I mean, the Niners are a good football team. I don't think, I I, I don't think it's very contrarian, honestly, for, um, for you to, to, to be on them. I I, like not to, not to say that in a bad way, but 
I think that's a, a popular pick. I believe it's the closest spread of any of the six opening round games, even though it's a three, six game and San Francisco can definitely go into Dallas and win that game. And if they're able to, like you said, that would really play well for the winner of Arizona LA to not have to go up to Lambeau and play a cold weather game in green Bay and instead go down to Tampa. I mean, look, you, you still have to play the defending Super Bowl champs, but Tampa is probably not the team it was last year. Uh, I would give the Cardinals or the Rams a, a much better chance of, advancing to the conference championship through Tampa than than through Green Bay. So then we do need to go to the break, but before we do that, you, you're you're very much in in line with kind of what I'm wanting to do here. And perhaps that is no surprise since we do all these shows together and we have a similar way of thinking about some of these things. But I'm kind of a, a multi-layered question for you here in that number one, I find myself really wanting to play Joe Burrow as my quarterback for the contest. Number two, I find myself wanting to fade uh, Tennessee entirely because if you're going to play Joe Burrow, obviously you're expecting the Bengals to win that game. I think they could win that game in a way that the Titans players don't even actually score very well. You're not necessarily going to get a big game from Derrick Henry or AJ Brown, who, who I think would be obviously the two guys you'd be looking at there. And if that happens, they could actually score fewer points than one of the teams that gets knocked out in the first round. And so either way, you're getting one game. And then number three, is that going to be a low enough played option to make sense? Or am I kind of underestimating the current enthusiasm for the Bengals after what they did in week 16 and 17? No, I think that's going to be a pretty low option. I'm trying to pull up our buddy Pat Corain, who I do the ship chasing stuff with, and we've done... Uh, a couple of shows already this week. He pulled together some projected ownership for this uh, FFPC tournament that that you're referring to, where you can only play one player from each team. You have to play uh, a twelve t- uh, a twelve person lineup. There's four flex spots. There's a lot of variability in how you approach it. But one quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, a tight end, and all these flexes, a kicker, and a defense as well. So there's two teams out of the fourteen in the playoffs that you wind up not playing anyone from. Two that we call sort of soft fading, where you play maybe a kicker or a defense from. But you mentioned Burrow. I don't think he has Burrow projected particularly high. I mean, I, I do think that will be contrarian. He's got him at 12% projected. He actually is the third highest projected quarterback. But the two that are going to be really popular are going to be Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. I mean, Josh Allen was the the most popular last year. I think you Pat said he was up around 38% or something like that of the field played Josh Allen. The difference with Mahomes that we've never seen in this contest is we actually get the fourth game. Every year he has been the quarterback, they've had a bye. And so now we're actually getting a Mahomes situation where he can get additional games. You typically want your quarterback to be playing as many games as possible in this contest. Um, And so when they had the bye, it made it a lot more possible that it could be Kelsey as the chief that you needed for these contests. And especially last year, the tight end field was a lot weaker. You just referenced it. We're going to talk about it after the break, but a lot more tight ends in this field. Um, so Mahomes and Allen are going to be the chalkier quarterbacks. He does have Burrow as the third, most likely. And then Dak and Rodgers, Kyler, all in this sort of range. And Tom Brady, sort of all in the same range where the quarterback typically is going to be spread out regardless because that's where people are going to make their stand on the team that they think is going to make a run. So I do think if you go Burrow, you're you're already, you know, you're already making a, a stand. You're, you're taking the Bengals probably to the Super Bowl. And I don't, I mean, I don't see any problem with that, especially, you know, if 
you know, you're, you're really trying to guess a scenario and get it right and then optimize your lineup for it. I think that makes, that's the, I think the appropriate way to approach this. And if you want to kind of pick a contrarian scenario and go for it, like, yeah, I mean, I love it. And my only other option, obviously there are lots of options. Kyler Murray, I think is another guy where you could see some of this work out, especially because there aren't great ways to play the Cardinals outside of him. And so if you like them getting deep, the fact that he can run kind of balances out, obviously, the the weakness of the wide receiver weapons there in terms of what his scoring could be. But then when we come back, we're going to look at some of these players. Everybody wants to know who we should be playing, who's going to score the most points during the fantasy playoffs, and how we can look at some of these positions against each other. We'll be right back. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener, this is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO21. That's RVRADIO21, and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package, is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, Ben, when I started putting together my spreadsheet for these lineups for this year, the thing that really jumped out at me is just the dearth of, of running back options, right? I mean, now people are going to say, well, Sean, you just don't ever want to play running backs anyway. But you look at this contest the last couple of years, one of the things you really had to kind of determine is how you wanted to play even the flex positions, because we did have a playoff scenarios where a lot of what we might consider the legendary running backs, right? And these uber backs who could score a lot of points Number one, they were in the playoffs. And then number two, you could easily envision scenarios in which they got deep. And so when we think about the ultimate upside that individual players have for a one-game span, but then also over the course of this stretch that is not that dissimilar, say, to you know the race for the big money in that 16 or 15, 16, 17 type of tournament. When you're looking at stacking these games together, obviously we think about the running backs as having this upside. 
you look at the guys available for this season and it's just not there, right? Which is one of the reasons you mentioned that Derrick Henry is expected to be very highly rostered, even though he's coming back from the injury. And part of that is that he's Derrick Henry. And we saw him just tearing the NFL apart before the injury. But then part of that as well, I think, is that there aren't a lot of great running back options. You were mentioning that uh, even someone like a Devin Singletary could be pretty highly rostered. And I, I thought that that was interesting because obviously Singletary went on this stretch recently where he got uh, very high snaps, had a, a much better workload in terms of high value touches, actually got in the end zone some. So we did see a ceiling there for him. But when you think about Josh Allen, you think about Stephon Diggs, and maybe it's just our affection for Diggs that is still carrying over a little bit here. But those would be, seem to be the two obvious guys. When you're thinking about using your running back position, kind of hard to believe we could have moved so much in the last month that Singletary would be not necessarily a contrarian option, but a, a fairly highly rostered player. Yeah, and part of it is in the FFPC, you, you have to always keep in mind you can only play one player from every team. And so those are really the only three that are going to be catching really any kind of ownership for Buffalo. And, and Allen isn't going to be too, too high, especially with the presence of Mahomes as a potential four-game quarterback. And then, you know, Diggs, I know Pat has Diggs projected ahead of Singletary, but still has Singletary coming in as one of the top five most rostered running backs, basically just because for anyone who's not going an Allen team, you know, Singletary will probably be somewhat close to Diggs in terms of overall ownership. And, and, and a big part of that is the running backs in this tournament are not strong. I mean, right now, the highest running projected running backs that the Pat has are Derrick Henry and Leonard Fournette, who are both coming off injuries, right? But they are guys that we know can get monster workloads when healthy. Um, it does seem like, especially in, in the context of those teams with Tampa Bay's injuries, with Tennessee just being a team that rides Henry when when they're good, that you know they're they're probably going to be the most popular players on those rosters. But beyond that, in this tournament, I mean, you're talking about like Mixon, Singletary, Zeke, Najee Harris is a really big underdog in round one. Probably not going to play multiple games. Um, you can talk yourself into Damian Harris making a little bit of a run as an interesting play. Elijah Mitchell is a really interesting one. We talked about the 49ers scenarios. If they were able to make a run, Elijah Mitchell could be kind of a, a key piece in this tournament. Uh, but obviously, again, you talk about teammates, right? Debo Samuel and George Kittle on that roster. And so people are going to want to play those guys as well. Josh Jacobs, uh, the Raiders, if they were able to knock off the Bengals or even if Jacobs is just able to have a big first game. And, and the Cardinals are going to are gonna mess things up as well. If, if we hear that, like, Edmonds is out and Connor's in, then then Connor's probably going to look like a huge chalk piece because that's one where no one's really excited to play a non-Hopkins pass catcher there. Maybe Zach Ertz, right? But there are a ton of tight ends in this contest. Kelsey, we get Kelsey, we get Waller, and we get Kittle. The three big three from draft season earlier this year. I don't think people are as excited about Waller anymore, but certainly all three of them in there and Gronk and Zach Ertz as the potential um, you know, I, I think the highest target share for the Cardinals over the last, uh, you know, stretch. We, we mentioned Dalton Schultz early. I, I think people are a little off on him because Jarwin came back in week 18 and took some of his routes. I'm reading that sort of like not negatively because it wasn't a game they really needed to win. I'm actually really interested in your take on, on Schultz in terms of his ability in tight end premium to outscore CD uh, and Amari, which like 
you know, if you're playing San Fran to win in, in round one, it might be that you want to play CD or Amari as opposed to Schultz. But Schultz could be a pretty interesting play as well. And you can even get down to like you, you get to like Philly if you want to play a player from Philly. Or you, a lot of people are going to fade Philly entirely, but Dallas Goddard <laughs> makes a lot of sense, right? And so there's a lot of tight ends in this in this tournament. Hunter Henry even for New England is really one of their two main top pass catchers with Jacoby Myers. No disrespect to Kendrick Bourne. But yeah, I mean, there are a lot of tight ends. Most of the teams have a pretty viable tight end. And so that becomes a, a big part of the calculus as well. It does. And we one of the things I've been looking at throughout the course of the day is the strength of schedule streamer with the Rotoviz tools. One of the things that I'm kind of putting a tiny bit of emphasis on, we kind of pick little pieces here to maybe inform small decisions when they're close as we build these type of rosters is who has the best matchup positionally this week. And then based on whatever scenario you are playing with your overall structure, then what that would mean for some of these matchups in week two. If you're looking at wide receiver versus tight end there, you might lean a little bit more toward Liam. And I think that in a situation where the 49ers actually win this game, but win it in a high scoring affair and, and do give the Cowboys a chance to come back as opposed to completely control the ball, as we've seen them do in some of their playoff runs in the past when they went to the Super Bowl and just you know really dominated people through the running game. Then I think that Lamb has that potential for the type of game we saw in week one, obviously Cooper, a big game in week one as well, but I would prefer to be on Lamb there. When you're looking at running back versus wide receiver here, one of the things that we know is that these Superstar wide receivers are going to be very highly rostered, both because of the upside that they provide. I mean, they're really the superstars this year, right? I mean, Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams are basically what we've seen with running backs in the past. I mean, these guys are the stars. And it's a scenario where both of them could make it pretty deep in terms of if the 49ers win in the first round, then both of those guys could be in the NFC Championship game against each other, and you probably prefer to be on them as opposed to the quarterbacks. If we look at that as kind of a, a starting point, and we know that some people are going to want to differentiate from that in order to not be on the same guys as everybody else, but then is there a, a situation here where we would like to actually be kind of zero running back-ish for the purposes of this contest? That would kind of mean maybe taking our, you mentioned the fades, then the soft fades, and then we might almost consider like the third layer of fading to be the teams that we take the running backs off of. The two guys that really jump out to me as players who could score a lot of points in a loss in the first round and actually get you, number one, the running backs you have to have to qualify you know, for a legal lineup at the contest. But then number two, if you're going to end up with a different type of lineup than some of the other teams that are wide receiver heavy or that have some of these star wide receivers, and it was actually that first week that made the points that separated at the very end. Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris, two guys who feel like the kind of players, not feel like, I mean, they're the kind of players who have the scoring profiles, both overall and within those games, to where they could put up a huge total in a loss through the receiving and through actually getting the points that their teams do score in those games. Yeah, I think that's um, a really interesting consideration because it kind of flips the typical script. I, I named all sort of all the running backs in this contest. What, who I didn't name are some good ones, uh, Sony Michelle or potentially Cam Akers, if you want to go that way for the Rams. But the reason that he's not, you know, either of those guys are not catching a lot of uh, ownership or a lot of 
interest is because Cooper Cup is on that team, right? Um, those are reasonable plays in other playoff contests, but Cooper Cup and Adams, you you said and, and absolutely nailed it, are the two easily the two chalkiest players in this in this contest. And then and then I was going to go on next, obviously, to the Packers running backs, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, reasonable running backs for other playoff contests. In in the case of the Packers, it's really tough with Adams, but traditionally. In these contests, you want to play your receivers sort of on the teams that might lose in the first round, because that's typically going to mean a pass script, right? Like we actually know what we're talking about in terms of game script. And we're going to we're going to see a lot of pass volume. Like for me, when I look at the Steelers, it's going to be probably Big Ben's final game. I expect him to throw 50 times and just let him chuck it all over the field. And he's probably going to throw for 150 yards on his 50 passes, but he's going to throw 50 times. That makes me want to play Deontay Johnson, right? But it could be Najee Harris who catches a ton of passes. But typically, you want to take receivers in those scenarios. And then the teams that make the three, four game runs, if you're not playing your quarterback from them, it makes a lot of sense to have the running back. You think about like the Raheem Mostert year where the Niners made it to the Super Bowl and Mostert had an absolutely awesome playoff. And even Kevin Coleman had a good playoff as well. You think about Leonard Fournette last year had a a very good uh, run you're playing in a lot of positive scripts in that scenario. You know you're getting wins and you're playing and run in the, and we know running back fantasy points come in wins. And so typically as you start to build it out, you want to be thinking about running backs for teams that are going deeper, wide receivers for teams that are maybe not or you might want to be more willing to pivot to a receiver, say an AJ Brown over a Derrick Henry if you're picking the Titans to lose because in one game the variance can swing and especially if they're playing in a negative script, that's not going to play well for Henry. Certainly, A.J. Brown can outscore Henry in a game where they lose in in one game. And so you're basically flipping that on its head. And I think it's kind of right this year. I mean, it's it's hard to think through it because Cup and Adams are these types that if they play one game and they have to throw to catch up and both these teams will, it's so hard to see those two receivers not end up getting 10 targets and and having it basically a big enough game that even in a one game loss, they still wind up as the guy probably that you wanted. But then if they advance over multiple games and they're winning, those guys are so integral to everything they do. I mean, the Rams are not advancing if Cooper Cup's not playing well. Like, how are they even advancing? Who's who's doing it? And, and sort of the same for the Packers. I mean, I think they're they're a little different. They play, they can play a little more ball control. But if Adams has a real down game, it's tougher for them to win, certainly. And then just the fact that even if he does have a down game and they win, you're getting multiple games. And over multiple games, the cream is gonna rise to the top. Adams is gonna eventually have a big one and be the guy that you probably wanted from that team. And so those two, because they're these receivers that score like running backs, like you said, they almost can't get scripted out either. It makes it so that you, you almost want to be on them regardless. And there's a couple other similar receivers. I think, Um, you know, I just mentioned Deontay Johnson, that the target right there is so massive. It's one of the reasons I maybe won't want to play as much Najee Harris, because I am pretty excited about, this potential that Ben Roethlisberger will just throw 50 times underneath and Deontay Johnson will get like 15 targets. But I do think you're honest. And I actually thought you were going to say Damian Harris, because if that game, that game has the lowest over under, it does expect to have weather. If the bills are able to advance, but it stays low scoring, Damian Harris could have maybe 120 rush yards and a TD or a couple TDs, depending on how many points are scored in that game overall. And he could have one of those types of games in round one as well. And the other person there that we should mention, since he's probably our favorite guy of the group, is Debo Samuel, another guy it's pretty hard to get away from, especially now that he's getting high leverage running back touches. I mean, if you're talking about the guy who could be, we'll give the other two guys credit, say maybe he's the third best wide receiver in the NFL after Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams, but you're also getting these high quality running back opportunities, then it's going to be difficult to get away from him in any type 
of game script. And in terms of if you want that one game spurt or if they make a run, it would be hard to get away from them. Unlike Kyler Murray or Dak Prescott, where if those teams make a run, you would want the quarterback. Probably still not the case with the 49ers. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no real rush value from Garoppolo. Concentrated production. It's going to be probably one of Kittle, Samuel, or potentially Elijah Mitchell if they're able to get really big run scripts, right? And that's sort of the, the sneaky play there. But um, yeah, I, I completely agree with Debo. So you're, yeah, I, I like what you're thinking here. You're thinking a zero RB team basically play running backs from teams that lose. The reason I like what you're thinking is we're then talking about a really fun playoff. We're talking about teams advancing and throwing. And, and we get to see some passing down the stretch in the divisional round, the conference championship, into the Super Bowl. It seems like the teams that could make a run, for the most part, would, would need to do it through that. I mean, we like Dallas, I was talking about them, the Bengals, obviously. You know, you were talking about the Cardinals. We, we would expect Kyler, if they were able to make a run, to be the, you know, the linchpin for that. Certainly, the running backs can, can score a lot as well. But Kyler is just, you know, such a, you know, a, a more valuable quarterback to his offense, I think, than the average, right? You know, Stafford, not so much, but just kind of looking at some of these teams, uh, even the Bucks. you know, we don't know necessarily how healthy Leonard Fournette is. If they make a run, it's probably going to be Brady again, right? And it could be Evans. It could be Gronk, who's the guy that you want on that team. Seems like it would be a pretty – oh, obviously the Bills are another one that, you know, you're if they're able to make the run to the Super Bowl this year, you're thinking Josh Allen, you're thinking Stephon Diggs. I'm right there with you. I don't want to be playing Devin Singletary. I want to be playing Stephon Diggs in that scenario. And the Chiefs, another very obvious one that would play through the passing game. But you're thinking about this playoff this year as one where we're going to see explosive games into the second and third rounds. The conference championships are going to be shootouts. Bengals, Chiefs, what, Cardinals, Bucks or something? Cardinals, Packers, maybe, I don't know. But you're expecting all sorts of points flying all over all through January. I think so. One of the things that makes... Again, and we're all this is very scenario based in terms of winning these contests. And you think about Kyler, if they go to Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay is going to force them to get all those points through the air. You look at Josh Allen and his path. When we think about extra games, I mean, that's the value that he and Mahomes have when, you know, when either team is the number one seed. But for Allen, it's a harder road to see the shootouts all the way across for some of the reasons that you mentioned both in terms of the Patriots defense but also the weather conditions there and so we see some of those things kind of coming together but yeah I, I think if we have Bills Chiefs if we have the Bengals advancing obviously I think if you have Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady you have all of these different scenarios and then with the teams we think will come through in the NFC you have some shootouts there and guys that it's difficult to get off of. And if you created your lineup that way, then maybe you don't have to worry so much about being as dead as some other teams that are maybe even more highly leveraged. You have a lot of stars kind of coming through with you and creating some multiple outcomes. Now, to win the whole thing, you're going to need to have a unique team that hits on a specific scenario. If you want to stay alive a little bit longer, then maybe you can combine some of those two different types of things. Maybe then the last piece of the puzzle is tied in, right? And we know that Mark Andrews was the guy who won basically everything, right? I mean, he was the guy who dictated 
the fantasy playoffs this year. He is not here. The Ravens didn't make it. That part of it, I think, may be a little bit frustrating in its own way. But a big string of guys who are exciting have made it. And I mean, can you imagine if we got the Ravens instead of the Steelers? On top of the list of names that I mentioned earlier, we also had Andrews. It'd be so fun. So fun. Obviously, it's a great storyline with Roethlisberger on his way out. In terms of the quality of the teams, I think if Lamar Jackson were able to play, which is not something I know would necessarily be the case, but uh, that Ravens team quite a bit stronger, I think, in that scenario. Then we look at this, and you had mentioned people are not as much on Waller. They are one of the two really good matchups for tight ends in Week 19. The other one is Tampa Bay against Philadelphia, and Rob Gronkowski now without two of the three wide receivers and looking a little bit friskier in this annihilation of the Carolina Panthers. He becomes someone who is probably pretty interesting. Now, it's been inconsistent, had some serious injuries early in the season, didn't really come back from that and score a lot. You and I had him on one of our teams that was deep in the playoffs and we weren't getting a lot of points there. Uh, so we, we know that he's not a sure thing, but how are you liking him in comparison to Kelsey and the point there with Kelsey in some of these situations, if the chiefs were to go deep, he just separates so much from the rest of the tight ends. You have that sort of value over replacement element, but now with Mahomes having the extra game and that kind of thing coming into play and some of these other tight ends, are you, are you more intrigued with the other tight ends now as a result? Yeah. The big thing about the extra game that was so interesting was with Mahomes, having a buy a lot of the time you would want and because Mahomes can provide such an advantage at QB but also Kelsey can provide such an advantage at tight end you would want the NFC QB with Kelsey to get sort of the optimal build in in you know scenarios where the the, the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl because they didn't have that extra game especially you look at last year where the Bucks played the extra game the, the winning lineup wound up being Brady and Kelsey, and they really locked down those positions because of the advantages they were able to provide over the other players at those positions. And that's really what it comes down to is how how big can a, a one guy separate over other players at his position? Because ultimately, the, the teams that go to the, the, to the Super Bowl, they're going to score the most points basically across all the positions because they're playing the most games. But how much can you separate, really? And there's a lot more wide receivers who can score. There's a lot more running backs who can score. It's a little bit easier to separate, I think, at these onesie positions. It certainly was for Kelsey last year. It's a little different this year. The reason Kelsey is so fun, though, is like he can score a ton even in one game. He can score a ton in two games. He can score a ton in four games. And so he's going to probably be still the 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 clear top tight end. He's a somebody you can play in any Kansas City scenario. You, you can have Kansas City losing in the first round, frankly, and still come out to a scenario where Kelsey puts up enough points, he puts up a 20-point game, that he's a reasonable flex, and maybe you needed multiple tight ends, but he was the top scorer for Kansas City, and it was good enough to be in the lineup, you know, the overall winning lineup. Because you do have to have some players from teams that only play one game. But beyond him, you know, I'm looking at Pat's projections right now, he does have Gronk as the next highest one. And then, interestingly enough, Ertz, uh, it, Gronk's about 26% projected or 22%. Kelsey's up around 50. So those guys are down, you know, a quarter of the field maybe. And then you get to Kittle about 20%. He has Debo a little bit ahead of Kittle 
in the the mid to high 20s. But yeah, then you get to Kittle, then you get down to Waller. But, you know, for for a guy like Waller, it's the and Kittle, it's the fact that they are underdogs in round one that makes it a little less likely that they're going to be very, very popular in this contest, which makes them maybe interesting contrarian plays if you want to play those guys to uh, those teams to win. And it's true of Ertz as well, but also for for both Kittle and Waller, maybe the presence of teammates that are worth playing in the case of Josh Jacobs, who you talked about for Kittle, obviously Debo, Elijah Mitchell, et cetera. Ertz doesn't have quite as much competition right now with the, the Arizona running back situation uncertain, but you, you led this asking about Gronk. He winds up coming in second highest, and that's even with Leonard Fournette looking like, you know, one of the chalk running backs. It, it, Tampa kind of looks right now like a lot of people are probably going to choose between Fournette and Gronk to fill either the running back or tight end position. I mean, I think they're the very logical spots to go. It does make Mike Evans kind of an interesting sort of lower own contrarian play. But yeah, Gronk, I think, is a really strong play in this contest. We do obviously expect Tampa to, to advance in most situations. They're, I think, eight and a half point favorites. Second biggest favorites of round one, Kansas City being the first. I think they're 12 and a half or so. So, you know, we would expect multiple games with uh, obviously Godwin and Antonio Brown both out of the picture. Gronk is going to be relied on. He got plenty of, of volume down the stretch, and, and we would expect that to continue. So, uh, I think he makes a lot of sense. He's a big, big part of the tight end puzzle. How much does it matter to you that Hill might not be 100%? Because it would be just so tempting to play him knowing that Kelsey is going to be rostered on such a high percentage of teams. And that's an easy way to move off of that a little bit. And yet, you know, one of the things here that makes me a little bit surprised about Hurst is this idea that you can score so many points through the tight end position in tight end premium. We look at Kelsey. He had one of the harder tight end schedules on the season. He averaged 19 and a half points in FFPC scoring. I mean, that's a lot of points, right? And that's despite having a bunch of games where he dropped key passes and some games there where the Chiefs didn't need to play. And so, I mean, you're upside with Kelsey is just through the roof. I mean, he's got nine games with 20 plus points, but the way to get off of him would potentially be to go to Hill if you're not doing it with the Patrick Mahomes, which as you mentioned, one of the most likely scenarios there. But I would think that tight end is a position where we actually do want to hit and we want to get the points from someone who can have the big game there. And maybe it is a thing where... uh, some of these guys are going to get eliminated in the first round, right? And you do need to have big games from your guys who do get eliminated. That's something you don't want to overlook and just be like, you know, those first games don't matter. It's the guys who play two, three, four weeks that carry you. You need big games from the eliminations. If the Cardinals don't have anything else and Zach Ertz has 12 targets, then you're looking at potentially a very big game to get you those points. How are you looking at the tight end position kind of big picture? And would this be something where you even use a flex from this group? Yeah, I think that's definitely in play. Because, again, you talk about being the top scorer on the team, and that's a a really key part of it. Um, You know, even if, like, Arizona didn't win, but Zach Ertz caught eight passes, and you're talking about tight end premium scoring, he might be the highest scoring flex play of the eliminated teams. And you would need at least a minimum of two players, non-kicker defense players, into – your lineup that played only one game. And that can be more than two 
if it turns out that either Tennessee or Green Bay plays only one game, say Tennessee gets beat in their first game, then you would need at least three players in your main lineup that only played one game. Now, there's still going to be four teams that you don't play a player from. You either play the kicker or the defense, you know, assuming that you're not playing a kicker or a defense from a team who plays multiple games, which is typically not the case in this contest. You're typically taking your kicker and your D from a team that you're kind of expecting to lose. And if, if a team does play two games, almost always a skill position player is going to be in over a defense or a kicker. And then there's going to be two that you don't even pick anyone from to make out your lineup. But there's going to be some one-loss teams that get in. A guy like Ertz looks like he could be that guy in a loss. Uh, Gronk looks like he could be that guy, you know, in a two-game stretch very easily. I'm not necessarily wanting to continue to talk about scenarios where, where Philadelphia beats Tampa Bay, but there are other tight ends who could lose in this contest in the first round and still be reasonable flex plays. Dallas Goddard was one that we brought up. They lose to Tampa, but Dallas Goddard goes eight for 100. He's going to be an optimal play, and he's going to beat the rest of his teammates. And that's one of the reasons that he makes some sense as a contrarian play. Uh, and then, you know, you're not fading the Eagles, and that's going to get you contrarian as well because it's going to be very popular to just not play anyone from the Eagles. But, yeah, I think flexing some tight ends is actually a pretty smart way of, of, of considering this. And even down to, like, the Dalton Schultz, I mean – those types of guys, like Dalton Schultz definitely has a, the, the outcome where he can be the highest scoring Dallas player, and especially in a one and out game. If San Francisco were to win and they throw a lot late and, and Schultz is racking up a lot of kind of underneath targets against, you know, soft zone coverages, he could be their top scoring player. And and so, yeah, I mean, I think it's very viable. Darren Waller, another one, very obvious. If the, if the Bengals roll through the Raiders, Darren Waller can be a very big scorer. So, there's so many good tight ends in this contest. I definitely think they're flex worthy. There's a lot of good receivers too. And, you know, the lineups I've played around with, I, I want to get a lot of receivers in there. I want to play AJ Brown. I want to play Stephon Diggs, Cup, Adams. You can play up to six receivers, but you can still get there pretty easily. You know, you want, if you're not playing Joe Burrow, you might want to be playing Jamar Chase, right? Um, Debo Samuel, CD Lamb we talked about. There's uh, You talked about going to Tyree Hill, which I think is a really – uh intriguing proposition this year for sure because you might not need kelsey in the way that in past contests it looked like you really would have needed his tight end points there's a lot of other tight ends that could potentially come catch him if tyreek has a massive game if he's good to go and we know he has that kind of ceiling he could certainly be the one that you needed from kansas city so a lot of ways you can play at wide receiver too but considering tight ends and flexes i think a, a big thing to do this year. I mean, it's not something you just overlook. Maybe in past years, it would be easier to overlook. Uh, the field is different uh, for 2020, 2022 now, I guess. And so, yeah, I'm, I mean, I think you can play three tight ends. I think you play four tight ends if you want to get crazy, but I don't think a lot of the field is going to be doing that. And it kind of wraps back around to where we started on this particular topic with the tight ends. If you did want to go with a borough lineup in the AFC and wanted to move to Hill to go with that, thinking about the upside that these guys have and just how many points tight ends can score. Rob Gronkowski, 12 active games this year, six of them over 20 points, right? So you think about who could go off, especially now where the targets have to go. I mean, he could be that guy who carries you and has multiple huge games down the stretch here. Then before we wrap up, I just did want to ask you, and we probably covered this, but I don't want to leave us without at least broaching this topic. Are there any sleepers? Now we know that Playing the scenarios is a little bit different and maybe more important than playing the sleepers in this kind of contest where you can only have the one player from each team. 
but either for this and or for some other contests where maybe people are stacking players because they really are making heavy bets on certain teams to go through based on the format of those contests. Do you have some guys here that you like? Uh, someone who might be interesting from the Packers. We know that Aaron Jones, obviously the starter, the electric guy, but A.J. Dillon has found his way into the end zone uh, on a number of occasions recently with the Cowboys. You know, you could go to, I mean, it, I mean, I think that Elliott at this point is sort of a, a sleeper play there with the Cowboys, but you have Amari Cooper uh, with the Rams, a name I don't know that we mentioned, but Tyler Higby has the big game in the loss. And if teams really did sell out to stop Cooper Cup, he might be somebody, especially with, again, the tight end premium scoring in so many leagues would be interesting. The 49ers have Brandon Ayuk. Um, they're in the NFC. Any guys that really jump out at you, maybe even deeper than those guys? Yeah, I mean, I think they're – those are all really interesting names. I think in that it, it's – very contest specific because I think in the FFPC contest, sometimes we see people go too contrarian because you can only play the one from every team. And I don't think you really need to go as off the board as people sometimes do. You don't necessarily want to be going down to the fourth or fifth best option on a team because you can get the third option at a really basically low ownership and he's not going to be played a lot. Uh, you mentioned Ayuk. a great example. People are going to play Kittle. They're going to play Debo. They're going to play Elijah Mitchell. That's a concentrated offense with like four main guys. And Ayuk is going to be cheap enough that you don't need to go to some crazy, you know, you don't need to go to Jawan Jennings, right? Or or the, a secondary running back or something like that. In the FFPC contest, we do see stuff like that sometimes where people really want to get into, you know, secondary Green Bay receivers. I'm going to play Alan Lazard. I think Alan Lazard's a fun play in the contest where you can have two Packers, right? But I don't think there's a whole lot of scenarios where Alan Lazard outscores Devonte adams over a, a playoff stretch even if they only play one game most scenarios Devonte adams is outscoring alan lazard right so it, it's not impossible but trying to catch that in a bottle and then also catch the other 11 players you need it's just it's just making the contest a little bit too hard and it's kind of hard to think through if you play a lot of dfs or anything because you're used to needing to get down to like the you know the three thousand dollar plays and stuff you don't have to do that here. There's no salaries. And so it, in the FFPC, I would say some of the contrarians are like, I, I do like Dalton Schultz. I mentioned him a couple of times. We talked about Elijah Mitchell. We talked about a few of those guys in sort of that range where they're, they're names that you know. I think, um, you know, New England does have the weather game, but if they were to lose to the Bills in a way where they had to throw a lot, you know, Hunter Henry and, and Jacoby Myers could wind up being somewhat interesting. I'm going to have to. I think to you're talking about Kendrick Bourne there, right? Yeah, Kendrick Bourne would be the one that is maybe too far down, but who knows with New England? I mean, if you want to play Kendrick Bourne, John, I'm sure you'll nail it again. You always know when that guy's going to score a touchdown. But you want to check the weather in that, I want to say. We've mentioned a couple times it's going to be bad weather. We don't know for sure how the weather's going to stick stick out uh, through the weekend, so keep an eye on that. Um, Hunter Renfro is maybe another one for, for Vegas. Like, at least, you know, you're getting the, like, the third guy in the offense, the clear number one receiver. Maybe Waller's not all the way back. He's you know maybe doesn't play a ton of snaps, and Renfro has the big game. We can totally see scenarios where Renfro is the top scorer for Vegas in a one-game situation where they lose. Those are the types of kind of you know contrarian plays that I would be considering. I think it's 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 largely wide receivers. Christian Kirk, you know, it's it's these teams where there's a, a tight end presence, and maybe Christian Kirk goes overlooked, right? And so. 
those are the types of contrarians, contrarian plays that I like for the bigger contest to, to get a little bit different. For the, the contest where you can draft multiple guys, you know, guys that could come out of nowhere, that's where I think you can open the book a little bit. You know, look, you were talking about like zero RB tendencies. I mean, I think last year's a great example. If you did any of the, the big snake drafts or anything, Ronald Jones was a much higher pick than Leonard Fournette last year. He was somebody who was expected to be, you know, coming back from injury and being sort of the lead back for Tampa going into the playoffs. Leonard Fournette winds up being sort of the star. Uh, we don't have like uncertain backfields necessarily in a lot of spots this year, but like Ramondre Stevenson, I think could be an interesting play, right. For, for new England and these types of contests where you can take him in the last round, if they make a run, Stevenson could actually be a big part of that. Right. Well, that kind of brings me back around to a guy I wanted to ask you about because I, to be clear, I don't think this is going to happen, but it would be fun in its own way if people had the guts to go to Clyde Edwards Alaire, were rewarded by him somehow having multi. So multiple multi-touchdown games during this stretch. You mentioned backfields that might be a little bit uncertain. The Chiefs have spoken positively about his health, but we really don't know about the health for a variety of backs in that Chiefs backfield. We also know the guys aren't very good but the Chiefs are likely to deliver the ball down to the two, three, one yard line as many times as any team in the playoffs. Is that something that appeals to you at all? I mean, certainly in, you know, as a potential option in the snake setups in FFPC, he's a great example of the type of player that I would never play. Cause I think you can just get like Hill at a cheap enough, you know, ownership expe expectation and really, there's just so few scenarios where even if he scores two touchdowns, he outscores the better of Hill or Kelsey over multiple games, too, because the Chiefs are so likely to play multiple games. So in FFPC, no, and I don't think that's what you're asking. But in, you know, in a, in a like a snake format, if you can get him late, the, the problem is the Chiefs are so popular that he might actually end up being sort of pricey, too. You know, he might end up going in like the fourth round because like Hill and Kelsey and Mahomes in those settings are all first round picks, you know. If you're doing a 12-team snake draft with your friends and drafting out the, the playoffs, the, the top Chiefs are going to go early, and then you're going to start to get into Clyde Edwards-Alaire picks by, like, the fourth round. So you're telling me definitively that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is not this year's Leonard Fournette. I'm, I, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he might not be a good cost-adjusted pick, depending <laughs> on the contest. Um, I'm, I'm explicitly not saying that. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, I what I was going to say about the zero RB thing is, and I kind of want to get your thoughts on this before we wrap up, but you know, some of these teams like the Bengals were an interesting one to me for that Leonard Fournette point, where if they win, they're going to win through the pass. I mean, Tampa Bay last year, they didn't win because of Fournette. Fournette kind of came along for the ride. We know that that's how that works with running backs sometimes. We know that's happened some with Mixon this year. Mixon's been great, whatever. If you're a Mixon fan, sorry for dogging him. Uh, we all, I mean, I think most listeners of, of this podcast know and, and agree with us here that the Bengals are at their best when they're throwing the ball to their elite receivers. But if you're in a contest where you don't have to pick one Bengal and Mixon can certainly score a lot. I do think it's interesting, like in the late round, especially if you're in a deeper draft type scenario to play into like Samaj P. Ryan, right. And say, well, the Bengals are going to run all the way to the Super Bowl. And also Joe Mixon's going to pick up an injury because it is a four week stretch. Like we do see running back injuries, right? Like it's not crazy. We saw it with San Fran a couple of years ago where Mostert and Coleman both had big games. What if P Ryan got a spot start and they continue to win anyway? Cause I don't think that would really hurt their chances of winning necessarily. 
in a massive way. I mean, you can argue that not having Joe Mixon on the field would hurt them a little bit, but they could still succeed with Burrow and Chase and Higgins, and P. Ryan could be brought along for a really big game. Would you ever consider things like that in a, you know, say a 12-team snake draft where you have to draft eight or ten players and you're actually getting pretty deep into the player pool? Yeah, I think it depends, like you mentioned, on on the cost. And we have seen P. Ryan really do some very similar things when given the opportunity. And kind of unfortunately for some of these fun things that we could do, you also see based on the defenses and how the scenario of the Bengals going really deep would probably go in a direction where, especially there in that first week with the, the Raiders, actually might be very well set up for a mixing game. And then you can kind of build off of that as you go forward. So if not a mixing game, then again, that P Ryan sort of game. I It's probably harder for me to look at that in these short stretches because you don't have as much time to benefit from the uncertainty. And one of the things that we know uh, just on the full season, zero RB again, it just was such a great example of that this season where Sony Michelle, Rashad Penny, not valuable until right when it mattered. You have the full season to get there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it'd be great for P. Ryan if he could do what Fournette did last year. I mean, I, people will probably think this is, is sacrilegious or just sort of denying reality. I don't know that there's really that big of a gap in talent uh, and skill set between Fournette and P. Ryan. And so the, the setup, as you describe it, is very, very similar. As you were talking, I was thinking back, probably a, a bummer memory for you, because I know he's your favorite player probably of all time. But do you remember the, the massive Chiefs-Colts shootout where Jamal Charles got the concussion in the first quarter of the first round and Niall Davis came in and had just a monster game? Do you remember that? It was It had to have been almost a decade ago now. Yeah, I don't – that one doesn't jump out to me. The The playoff game, and, and this is sort of apropos of nothing, but the the game without punts where the greatest Dick Vermeil team and the greatest – one of, uh, to be fair, one of the greatest offenses in NFL history, the 2003 Kansas City Chiefs, Priest Holmes at his absolute peak and you know one of the two or three greatest fantasy players ever breaks into the open – has the long run and is stripped from behind to essentially cost the chiefs the game peyton manning then obviously continuing his epic story and the chiefs having their dick Vermeil storybook ending not happen that's the one that jumps out that I, I completely blocked out the one that you're describing oh man i don't remember that one at all but i pulled it up while you were talking priest holmes 24 carries, 176 yards, two touchdowns. This, the, the box score looks fantastic. Back in 2004, you're going way, way back. And I actually pulled up the other one too just now. 2014, Nile Davis had uh, just 67 rushing yards, but he had a rush TD. He had seven catches and a receiving TD as well. A couple touchdowns, 100 yards, 100 total yards on the dot. So, yeah, he had a, a pretty huge game in relief because Charles went out very early in that game. It was a huge shootout, 45-44. But the, the one you're referencing, you're saying at the end that Holmes fumbled and basically cost him the game. I do not remember that. That's fantastic. A fantastic callback. Not not fantastic for Chiefs fans like yourself. It was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. The uh, Trent Green, Dick Vermeil, Eddie Kennison, and uh, Priest Holmes with 
one of the greatest offenses of all time go down in a game that I believe had no punts to Peyton Manning at the absolute apex of his brilliance. So no punts for either team, a missed field goal, a Dante Hall return for a touchdown. This game, I, I want to find this game. This game looks amazing. Probably one of the five greatest games in NFL history. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a fun one. Well, we we finish out the the show today with uh, a trip in the Wayback Machine, thinking of some Chiefs losses. Obviously, last season ended up with a Chiefs loss that wasn't heartbreaking in the same way, but was demoralizing. We'll see what the 2021-2022 playoffs have to offer starting this weekend. It'll be a lot of fun. If you want to get in there with the FFPC playoff contest, they obviously have the two formats, one at the $35 level, which uh, I encourage you to participate in if you don't want to spend the $200. But obviously, Ben, we'll have some teams in the 200-level entry, the half-a-million-dollar grand prize. Obviously, it's exciting to be in the mix for that. Uh, as you do it, just make sure that you have – a scenario that holds together. You want to make sure your whole lineup will work with the component parts. You don't want to make one part of it counteract another. Obviously, listeners of Ceiling Bananas are probably in great shape from that perspective. Lots of great stuff coming later in the week. You and I will have another show, have some shows with Colin talking about this, some cool stuff going on on ship chasing, and lots of other excellent contact on the Rotoviz radio network. For Ben Gretsch, I'm Sean Siegel. Make sure you're following Ben at Yards Per Gretch in with Stealing Signals. If you want to get a 10% discount to the 2022 version of RotoPass, we have changed that coupon code now. It is RV Radio 2022 at checkout. Obviously, email us at RotoBizMain if you have any questions, want to buy us up for someone else, want to extend yourself, any of those kinds of things. The RotoBiz Rookie Guide is on sale now. Make sure you grab that. We'll see you back here soon on Ceiling Bananas. If you want to get the shows when they release, make sure you subscribe to our feed. Uh, leave us a rating and review. If you get a chance, jump in there and just refresh. Um, if you have a moment, we appreciate all you guys have done on that. And until we talk to you in a few days, have a good one. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.